Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The New York Jets got the preseason off to a rip-roaring start. Okay, that's not true, but they did play. So what did we learn from the first preseason game? Max Scherzer gave the Rangers exactly what they needed in his debut. And will this be the last season of Bill Belichick with the Patriots? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The lights went up on the NFL season, and then they went out. And we're not even going to make an Aaron Rodgers darkness joke on this show because we're above that. Well, maybe we're not, but... We're going to pretend to be above that right now. It was the Hall of Fame game. It was, in fact, the football game. That's really the best thing I can say about what uh, we just watched. Me and John Butchko from Locked on Jets, who joins me now. And, John, the list of Jets who didn't play was seemingly longer than the list of Jets who did. So understanding that they've been in training camp for five and a half minutes, and the big story is Aaron Rodgers and all the expectations here what are we supposed to take away from something that approximated a football game on Thursday night? I mean, if I was to joke around a little bit, what I would say is that what we should take away is that every every year this time, we get excited about preseason, and then we see the first game, and it's always a huge letdown. So maybe we should, maybe we should take away that. Let's keep, our, let's keep this in our memory next time. Uh, if there's a takeaway, I think... And we never do, by the way. We never, ever do. Every single year, we, we do the same stuff. And then you know, <laughs> after that first game, it was like, wow, is that what we watched? Um, I think if you were to take anything away from this game from the Jets, Mekhi Becton only played seven snaps, but I actually thought he looked really good in those seven snaps. And the tackle position's really a big question mark for the Jets this year. It's the thing that if something's going to sink this team, it's going to be bad play at tackle because Aaron Rodgers is 39. He doesn't move as well as he used to. Anybody who's 39, those hits add up. You know, they're tougher to recover from. They got to keep Aaron Rodgers clean this year. And that tackle spots, it's a problem spot. And Makai Becton, if he can play this year, if he can be effective, it can solve a lot of problems for this team. Now, it's seven snaps. It's against backups. It's preseason. I don't want to go too crazy about it, but if I was to take anything away from what an actual relevant player for the Jets in their 2023 season did, it would be those seven snaps where he looked really good. And yeah, he was going up against backups and yeah, you'd expect him to dominate, but he dominated, you know, that's what he's supposed to do. If he went out and gave up two sacks in those seven snaps, we'd be going crazy about it. So if nothing else, he held the 40, did what he was supposed to do. I have to ask you about the quarterback position. No Aaron Rodgers in this one, except for a gratuitous amount of sideline shots and conversations on the broadcast about Aaron Rodgers. But there was a point that, I heard Chris Collinsworth make on the the, the telecast that I've heard in, in other places, and I wanted to get your take on it, this idea that, okay, Aaron Rodgers comes in, he plays a year or two, mentors, um, I, I guess, Zach Wilson or whoever comes next for these young quarterbacks. What do you think of that idea after we saw a very brief glimpse of Mr. Wilson in this one? It would be great if it happened, but I, I don't think that can be the plan A for the Jets. I mean... I think mentoring only goes so far. I think, yes, Aaron, it'll be helpful to have Aaron Rodgers around to kind of show Zach Wilson things about how to study film, maybe teach him some things about defenses that only a great quarterback could know. 
you know, how to prepare off the field. Sometimes, I, I mean, I don't know if maybe Aaron Rodgers takes Zach Wilson into the darkness. So got to be careful with the comments I'm making there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We weren't, we weren't above it, leading the blind on that one. I don't we know that. We weren't above it, Peter. We, I, I mentioned the darkness. Um, <laughs> but he's got to do it on his own. And I mean, if you're looking at like situations that are comparable to this, where the young quarterback starts the first couple of years and then the uh, then kind of gives way to a veteran. I mean, the examples I can come up with are, you know, Arizona when they had Matt Leinard and Kurt Warner took over Well, Matt Leinard was not ready to take over after Warner retired. Uh, if you go back to, I think it was like the 06, 07 era, Baltimore had Kyle Bowler who had kind of failed. They brought in Steve McNair. Bowler didn't you know, succeed. So I think the mentorship only goes so far. Zach Wilson's got to learn how to be effective on the field. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers, by all accounts, Aaron Rodgers is great with Zach Wilson, but it's one thing to, you know, show a young quarterback the ropes it's another thing for the young quarterback to be able to execute on the field now i thought zach wilson played well in this game he did hit that long pass down the left sideline which was a good read i mean i think, I think it was a full field, field read and he threw an absolutely great pass and I mean, chris collinsworth i don't want to criticize chris collinsworth like he's a receiver like he gives the receiver credit for anything like, wilson made a great throw and collinsworth is giving the receiver credit for the catch i was like what was on the money it was a good throw by uh by zach wilson so you know, good a good night for Zach Wilson, but I think there's a long way to go, and I think it's very premature to get in the mindset that Zach Wilson is going to step in and be too great in two years because of a couple of weeks with Aaron Rodgers and a couple of good throws in preseason. Stay up to date all year on the New York Jets by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Jets on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, Max Scherzer gave the Rangers exactly what they needed in his debut. Before we get to that, the Bears are adding a much-needed pass rusher. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet back in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the point total to who you think is going to hit the first home run. The New York Yankees are home dogs to the Houston Astros. Despite facing a rookie starter, FanDuel has the Yankees plus 120 on the money line. Of course, you can also combine multiple prop bets in a single game for a bigger payout with FanDuel's same-game parlay, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Chicago Bears are adding some much-needed pass rush help. Yannick Ngakwe is signing a one-year, $10.5 million deal. All but 500 k is guaranteed. The Bears have been exploring the market for a potential addition at edge since the spring. Last season, Chicago was led in sacks by then-rookie safety Jaquan Brisker with four. Only the Falcons applied less pressure on the quarterback last year, and the Bears only had seven and a half total sacks from defensive linemen. The 28-year-old Ngakwe was posted at least eight sacks in every season of his seven-year NFL career and is coming off a nine-and-a-half sack season with the Indianapolis Colts in 2022. The Bears will be his fifth team, get this, since 2020. The Tennessee Titans released offensive lineman Jamarco Jones on Thursday after his second practice altercation this week. Thursday's altercation happened after his crackback block on linebacker Chance Campbell. 
Another Titans linebacker got in Jones' face and the two had to be separated. Jones was ejected from practice. Titans coach Mike Vrabel said the block would have been a penalty in a game. Jones had gotten into a pushing match with Jeffrey Simmons after one of the first plays during team periods on Tuesday. The two were separated and kicked out of practice after ripping each other's helmets off. Not a great way to end your career with the team. On the diamond, the Arizona Diamondbacks lost their third straight game to the San Francisco Giants. This is how I'm watching games for the rest of 2023 because I just can't do it anymore. Miller Thomas of Locked on Dimebacks here. The D-backs lost their third straight game to the San Francisco Giants. They lost three out of four in that series to the Giants. And D-backs continue to free fall and spiral down the standings. They are now just four games above 500. They were 0 for 5 at runners in scoring position. And the worst part is, Brandon fought their rookie pitcher, best pitching prospect in their system. He has been struggling all years. He's been giving up home runs pretty much more than any other pitcher in baseball in terms of rate. He gave up another solo home run in this game against the Giants, but seven innings, a bunch of strikeouts, only the one solo shot, one earned run. It was the best start of the season for Fott. Unfortunately, the D-backs offense couldn't bail him out. The D-backs continue to struggle, and I don't know if they're going to make it to the postseason. It's not feeling good right now. The LA Angels and Seattle Mariners kicked off a four-game tilt. Not the game you want to lose or the way you want to lose. Hey, everybody, it's Mike Frisch, one half of Locked On Angels. The Angels lose Thursday night 5-3 to three to the Seattle Mariners, and they were up 3-1 to one in this game. And then Carlos Estevez blew his first save of the year in the ninth inning, giving up a grand slam. And listen, not much to complain about. The guy has been really great this year, but this is why we have him. This is the game that we need him to come through. He wasn't throwing strikes when he first came in, and ended up giving up a grand slam to lose the game. And it was on the heels of Shohei's 40th home run and the bullpen really stepping up when Shohei had to leave as a pitcher because he had cramping in his hands and in his fingers. This is a game you gotta win. And so the Angels gotta get the next three. I don't think you have a choice. You can't continue to lose games like this. John and I are gonna talk all about the Angels and all about this series on Locked On Angels. We hope you'll join us. And the Cincinnati Reds looked like they just wanted to go home as they fell to the Cubs for the third straight day. Cincinnati Reds lost their third straight game to the Chicago Cubs, and this third one might have actually been the most frustrating of the three. What's up? This is Jeff Carr from the Lockdown Reds podcast. And yeah, they gave up 20 runs to the Cubs two days ago. They gave up 16 runs to them yesterday. But it was today's game in which Luke Weaver walked in two runs himself, and the Reds had multiple opportunities with guys in scoring position and either no outs or one out, and they just couldn't capitalize for whatever reason. Jamison Tyone has had a rough year on the mound. He gets out of this game only allowing a couple of runs, and it really felt like the Reds should have blown the doors off this. I, I just... They ended the road trip with a four and six record. It could have been five and five. They could have been in first place. It it feels like they were ready to come home. So hopefully they make some hay when they get back home. Here is another story you need to know. Max Scherzer did not leave New York on the best of terms, but he certainly made an entrance with his new club as Locked On Rangers host Bryce Paderick points out. It, a lot of debuts for big Texas Rangers pitchers have gone very poorly, and this was probably the best one of any big-name 
pitcher coming to the Rangers in a long time. Uh, a friend of a friend of mine, uh, Chris Fitz, on Twitter tweeted this out. Of all these different Rangers debuts, there was Gaylord Perry, who gave up five runs and in six innings pitched against the Cleveland team that traded him. Nolan Ryan, five innings, four runs, three walks. Cliff Lee, nine innings, six runs in a complete game loss to the AL worst Orioles back in 2010. Hugh Darvish, under six innings, five runs, four walks. Cole Hamels, five runs in seven innings. Corey Kluber, one inning ever. Jacob DeGrom, two, three and two-thirds innings and five runs on opening day. So, it has not been a lot of success for these big name pitchers coming in. So six innings, three earned runs. It's pretty good for, for this list. But but let's get down to brass tacks. The the Rangers were down three runs before they even came to bat. Uh, you must have been a little nervous when he got off to the, uh, let's be kind and call it a tiny bit of a rough start there in the first yeah, I was I was a little worried, but it was mostly a lot of batted ball, bad luck, not any hard hit balls. I mean, the mm-hmm. single was 62 miles an hour. Both of them were under 65 miles an hour off the bat from Tim Anderson and Andrew Bennett Tendy. I mean, he was still getting the strikeouts. The walks weren't great walking in a run in your first inning with right. the team is is never ideal but it wasn't something where i'm like oh no here we go again because the thing with scherzer is the home run ball and the hard hit balls and there were only three hard hit balls against him all day and i think only one of those was hit maybe two of them but they were both singles so i mean it wasn't really a case of oh wow here's the scherzer that's had had issues you know with the mets all year and he was excellent literally just last year and i find it really funny that there were a lot of mets fans that i saw on twitter including locked on mets host ryan finkelstein you know having a little chuckle at max scherzer when he ends up with a quality start while the mets are getting swept by the royals maybe maybe mind your own business mets fans mets losing to the royals that has a familiar ring to it i'm not sure why that (laughs) reminds me of something um yeah i mean look at in the end uh, you the the rough the the I think it was more of a frustrating first inning than anything else. It was like you know it was a lot of you know it was a lot of uh, uh, things going the the White Sox way. It, it, it certainly helped matters for the Rangers that Toussaint, the starter for the Chicago White Sox, had a very hard time throwing strikes. And a couple of times, said, well, I better throw a strike here. And he would throw one like right down the middle of the plate for Marcus Simeon or right down the middle of the plate for um, who was the, who, who was the other? Mitch Garver. Thank you. I couldn't remember. Um, and, you know, you take a look at and after that rough first inning and not a great second inning, but, you know, nothing that bad happened. It was one, two, three inning, one, two, three. In the end, in the end, he struck out nine batters in six innings. Yeah, and didn't let up a run after the first. And lest we forget, this is a contending team with bats, so he pitched well enough to win. And you know, I hate Scherzer is there to pitch in October. That's his job. And in the regular season at this point, in my humble opinion, everything's binary. Did you win? Yes, fine. Stay up to date all year on the Texas Rangers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Rangers on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, this will be Bill Belichick's last year in New England. Questions abound in New England for this season with few answers, which brings up the big question. How much longer will Bill Belichick be the head coach of the Patriots? According to Locked On NFL scouting hosts Kyle Krabs, it won't be much longer. 
Uh, for the New England Patriots, it's goodbye, farewell, Bill Belichick. Expectations are high, right? And, and I understand that uh, the magnitude of Bill being close to the all-time wins record and uh, Robert Kraft kind of walking back some of the comments, I get it. But I think the Patriots are going to finish fourth in the division this year just based off the, the roster that they've put together and the fact that they face the same tough schedule as the other three teams in the division. There are two things that I think are really important here. The first is, if the Patriots are fine, if they're a 9-win team, a 10-win team, even an 8-win team that just barely misses out on the postseason, Bill Belichick is fine, assuming he wants to be, and that's a big assumption. But the other part of this is, if, in fact... Things go sour and it doesn't work out this year and they win five or six games. And look, no one no one wants that. Bill Belichick doesn't want that. Robert Kraft doesn't want that. But if that's the outcome, it will be because of Bill Belichick. Because in a post-Tom Brady world, he went on a spending spree that did not materially improve the team. And in fact, the Patriots have had to move on from essentially everyone they signed that offseason, and because Bill Belichick did not properly equip his quarterback last year to play quarterback. Seems kind of important. Letting Matt Patricia and Joe Judge being the king of cronyism in the NFL and nepotism, his son after all, technically runs the defense. All of that stuff compounded. And Bill Belichick didn't have Tom Brady to help bail him out of it. And how did Bill Belichick decide to go fix this? By signing Bill O'Brien, a former Patriots coach. It's just all the same. And at a certain point, it doesn't work anymore. Bill Belichick is the greatest modern football coach of all time. Okay, of the modern era. I guess if I'm going to add the caveat, I have to add the caveat. But at a certain point, things add up and it becomes on you. And right now, it's on Bill Belichick. And so if Bob Kraft decides it's time, guess what? Belichick will have earned it. And finally, the Pac-12 is dead. We have a DOA on this. Arizona is finalizing a deal to move to the Big 12. Oregon is being looked at by the Big Ten. I mean, is this conference going to last past this season? Is it going to last past this segment? Am I going to finish this show and the Pac-12 is still going to exist? Who's to say? Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Monday, what do we know about NFL teams right now? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.